Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody. My name is Abdullah, and I'd like to welcome you all for this Concussion Legacy Foundation event hosted by the collaboration of the universities of Laurier, Ryerson, and UFT chapters. Uh, this event is all about student mental health and concussions. We have uh, some brave speakers that are going to be giving an exciting uh, and very insightful speeches. So I really hope you do enjoy and stay tuned till the very end. For you today is a speaker from uh, from Laurier, uh, Nicole Bass. I believe uh, Nicole is with us over here. Uh, Nicole, the floor is all yours. Hi, everyone. Can you all hear me? Give me a thumbs up. Awesome. Perfectly well. Uh, my name is Nicole. I'm in my third year of kinesiology at Laurier. Um, and I have a concussion story that I'd love to share with all of you. So I appreciate you all coming here to listen. Um, so I have actually suffered from at least five concussions to date, probably more, but those are the ones that have been diagnosed. Um, but one in particular, I really wanted to um, share with you uh, actually happened about five years ago. It was in February of 2016, and at the time it was my third concussion. So when I had the blow to the head and everything, I just thought, okay, I've gone through this before, it'll just take me two weeks to get over it and then I'll be fine. Um, so I still, at the time, there wasn't as much research that our knowledge that I knew about concussions. Um, so I still wanted to live my normal life. I still went to school, still tried to keep up with everything. Um, see my friends every day, tried to just deal with the, the headaches and everything. Um, so that I'll be fine in two weeks. It's all good. And, um, and then as my symptoms persisted, it ended up being those two weeks ended up being a few more weeks and then a couple months. And then it actually stretched out to over a year of recovery for um, that concussion, which was really unfortunate. Um, so I just want to give you a little background information about me. I am a very, very extroverted person. Um, I love being around people and I also love getting involved in everything. So <laughs> especially back in high school when I was able to participate in so many things at once, every day I had something new going on. Let's say Mondays, I had hockey, Tuesday, I had volleyball, Wednesday was swimming, Thursday, badminton, whatever it was, I always had something different going on. So, um, and I also consider myself a very happy person. And especially back then, it was really hard to, uh, for myself to get down. I was always really, really happy. And um, so when going from everything, doing everything I could to doing absolutely nothing, of course, it had such a huge impact on my mental health. 
And I remember thinking when the symptoms kept persisting, I looked at, you know, the four um, aspects that you can be affected with concussion. So the physical, the uh, cognitive, sleep, emotional. I completely disregarded the emotional part. I said, that won't happen to me. I'm too much of a happy person. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to get depressed, not irritated, whatever it is. I'll be fine. I'll deal with the other symptoms, but emotionally, I'm going to stay happy. That was my goal. And boy, was I ever wrong. <laughs> um, so I thought, this won't affect me at all, but it truly, truly did. Not being able to do everything that I wanted to do made me really sad and really angry at times. Um, I wasn't able to see my friends, which was really unfortunate. And then I was even frustrated and I felt like I was a burden to my friends because they didn't want to, they couldn't do things with me. They couldn't hang out. Um, I remember once they wanted to go to Canada's Wonderland, but obviously I could not do that at all. Um, so I, actually did become very, very depressed. And I remember sitting in my room for hours or days and just thinking that I was in a hole, like, and I couldn't escape from it. And it was just a really, really sad time. And I felt as though I just wasn't the same person as I was. I was stressed. I was sad. I was angry. And I even tortured myself even more, I think, because I kept going to my team's hockey games that I would have been playing. So I wanted to support them, but at the same time, I really just wanted to get back on the ice and play. So that was the one thing I kept reminding myself, oh yeah, I love playing sports. I'm good at them, but I can't play them or do that or anything. And it was another frustration, like so many factors just go into it. So I remember I was also the only person at my school who had ever experienced a concussion. So all the teachers didn't really know what to do either. So <laughs> it was really frustrating and going to countless different doctors and specialists and I still wasn't getting better so I just I felt like a zombie almost it was just I was living but not uh, she might have lost I think we lost her okay I thought it was I thought it was my internet that cut out yeah that's unfortunate. I hope she gets back on or let's see. Oh, we can give her like a few minutes. Yeah, I think it might be just like a yeah, yeah, just seconds, to come yeah. to reconnect, hopefully. Never mind. I mean, just the internet just went out. Did you drop out of the whole meeting too? Sorry, did I? I'm no, not. she's there. She's oh, there, there you are. I'm so sorry about that. It's all right. <laughs> Where did I cut off? <laughs> um, you were talking just about like your experience. So it's, it's being on the ice and not and not being able. You were going to your team games and watching them, but you're not right. able to play them. It's oh. kind of a part of the self-torture that you were talking about. That's kind of where you left off. Yeah. Um, right. And then all those things just... Um, just piled on top of each other. So I was getting more and more upset and frustrated and I really didn't know what to do anymore. I just didn't feel like the person I was supposed to be or living the life that I wanted to. Um, and then stress also became my biggest trigger for headaches, which never ending cycle, as you can imagine, it would, it, I was going from, okay, so I have these physical symptoms already. I'm already having the headaches and then I'm still trying to catch up on schoolwork or stay on top of things. And now I'm stressed because I'm behind. So I'm trying to keep up with that. And then 
the stress causes even more headaches, which was awful. Um, so I really, it was just really, really hard. Um, I'm sure many of you have had certain experiences like this, but um, one thing to take from it is every experience is different. And one, I really didn't start to recover until I started actually um, doing some physical activity. It's, I learned later on, okay, so sitting in your room in the dark as the old research showed um, can actually prevent you from getting better and actually can be detrimental to your recovery. So actually going on walks a little bit more. And then I eventually started skating and getting in the pool, but still keeping it very, very light exercise, of course, and then progressively getting better. But We've lost Regan now. Okay, make sure that's not my internet because everyone else is moving. Continue. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we, we lost her again. Yeah, it's quite all right. So I can, we can give her like a couple more seconds and uh, mm -hmm. before we move on. She does connect I, uh, back. I do have, I did have a question for her that I was dying to ask. So uh, she's not getting away that easily. Okay. I think we could move on for now. I'm pretty sure she's trying to reconnect. Um, so we, we can move on to, to the next speaker. And then when she connects back, I'll, uh, I'll do an ask. I'll do ask her that question because I really want to know. Uh, now, the next speaker we have is also a person from uh, Laurier, Thea Verway, but we, she wasn't able to uh, attend. So we do have, I believe, a recording um, from her end. And luckily for her, I cannot ask her any questions because she's not present. So I'll We'll, we'll see what I can do with that. Uh, Patricia, I believe you're going to share the video with us. Yeah, I'll share that on my end. Just give me one second. The video yeah. is a little bit fuzzy, I think, from the translation between her phone to the computer, but the audio is clear, so that's all that really matters. Cool. That's good. Um, I, I do I not hear any audio, audio on my end. Yeah, I don't think the audio came through. Um, Patricia, when you're, um, what's it called, sharing, there's an advanced button and you can share your audio, computer audio instead. Hi, so my name is Taya and Perfect. I'm a second year student at Wilfrid Laurier. And last August, I suffered from my first concussion. I got my concussion while I was at work and during the summer I do landscaping and as I was working I well when I work I work very quick 
and I was speed walking up a hill with um, a trimmer and I was looking down at what I was doing and as I was looking down and coming up the hill I hit my head on the corner of a big sign um, right here <laughs> actually so um, the sign one and initially when I hit my head my coworker and I kind of laughed about it I was like haha like I hit my head like how did I not see that sign and we just kind of laughed it off and I didn't really think anything of it so about 20 minutes after I hit my head um, I started feeling very dizzy um, I felt like I couldn't get my words out like I was slurring all my words um, I felt like I couldn't open my eyes fully like I, I just felt like very heavy on my head and my boss ended up driving me home because they didn't think that I should drive in that condition. So my mom took me to the doctors and they were like, yep, like you have a concussion. You just have a mild concussion. So in about, you should take a couple weeks off work and in about two weeks you should feel fine. And um, that, that was about it. So it was like, okay, cool. Take the two weeks off from work. School starts in two weeks, should be fine. Well, they were so wrong, and um, that was the furthest thing from the truth. After two weeks, um, I was not better by any means. My symptoms were uh, feeling very tired all the time. I had intense headaches um, to the point of, like, I couldn't see, basically, and... Previous to getting my concussion, I suffered from migraines already, and these were just on a completely different level. I also felt that even when I didn't have a headache, there was still, like, a nagging kind of thing. Like, it just, like, just, like, a constant throbbing of pain. Um, but any, despite having that, I still made the decision to continue with school and three weeks after I had hit my head, I was like, mm, I can probably try and go back to work. And that was the most stupid thing I could have ever done. Because looking back now, if I had listened to what the advice was given to me by some do my doctors and that, I probably wouldn't have experienced symptoms for as long as I had, given that it was only uh, considered mild. Um, so yeah, I ended up having to drop from five courses to three courses, and thankfully Laurier was super understanding, at least like my professors were, in giving me extensions if needed, or letting me make up marks in different ways if I missed a test or something, because I, I couldn't remember anything, like, I would be told to do something like my mom would like say ask me like oh Taya could you uh do a load of laundry and I would completely forget it um so that really sucked and like apparently like things I was saying didn't make sense or even if I texted my friends some of the stuff that I was trying to say didn't make any sense um so a lot of the things for me were just like just not being myself and like it took a huge hit on my mood overall and I ended up becoming like severely depressed because being told for me to 
basically sit at home and take it easy was the hardest thing for me as a person who needs to be busy, who needs to be doing something constantly. Um, and because this happened at work too, I was sent to specialists and I was sent to physiotherapy of all things for concussion. I didn't even know that they had physiotherapy for concussions. So I had to go to these weekly appointments and after every appointment, I just felt totally drained. Like I had no energy, like it was just sucking the life out of me. And that continued on for about four months um, until things started to get a little bit better. And thankfully, um, the end of December, I was able to stop seeing physio and um, I had to see a neurologist. And they gave me some really good advice in that, too, on the things to continue with in that. Um, overall, I'd say my, like, the, my concussion, the severe, the severe part really lasted for about three and a half months. I was really just unable to do a whole lot. Like, I would go for a ten-minute walk and, like, not be able to continue further because my head would just start pounding. Um... And up until about four or five weeks ago, so probably mid-January, um, I would go for walks and still get headaches. Uh, thankfully now, things have really subsided, but lasting effects of it are really have just been my mood, like, just becoming, I just found that, like, my mental health really took the hardest toll from it all. Um, I had never been so depressed in my life. Um, I hardly left my house. I still hardly leave my house, um, COVID aside. And yeah, I just, um, yeah, like it's, it's, it, I'm still recovering, I guess you could say, uh, from the effects of it. But overall, like my symptoms are basically gone, which is great. Um, but yeah, if, there's anything that I could suggest if you ever get a headache or someone you know if you ever get a concussion or somebody you know ever gets a concussion it would just be to really try your best to take the advice given to you and listen to it and take it seriously because you could end up like like me who probably could have been better way sooner if I had just listened initially and not pushed the limits um yeah, <laughs> just uh, don't mess around with your head. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't be attending this uh, event in person today due to work. Um, it's my reading week, so I actually have a week off, so I've been working a lot. But um, hopefully this, w uh, this video was a bit um, helpful if like you've ever got a concussion or you know somebody who has or for future reference if you ever get one. Um, I hope you all have a really nice day and um, stay safe. <laughs> uh, please pass my thanks to Taya if you do get the chance. It's it's quite hard when we're listening to these speakers because I personally notice when they're whenever Nicole and Taya when they got to the hardest part, you can kind of notice a shift in their tone, a shift in their voice. Like it's it's my it's subtle, but it's but it's there. Uh, and I can't imagine it, it's they're essentially their whole routine when this concussion happens thrown out of the window and they have to essentially 
do something else now that's not that's not what they're used to so it's kind of it's a it must be it must be a little uh, a little hard and i'd also like to thank nicole that uh, unfortunately did disconnect but I, I see that she's back with us here uh nicole i had a question for you are you uh are you around here? Yeah, there you are. There you are. Yes. Now, sorry. Now, it's okay. Now, now, throughout your your experience, I wanted to know: Did you have anyone that kind of supported you throughout the entire experience, like a family member or a loved one or someone that really kind of stood out to to you? That or even it could be a friend or any anybody that just stood out to you that kind of really was there with you the entire time. I would have to give a huge shout out to my parents, um, especially my mom. She's a teacher at a high school as well, so. Um, she knows everything about the board. So when I was going through all this stuff in school and my teachers didn't understand anything, like she would feel my pain and get so angry, which actually like it helped me relate. <laughs> um, but yeah, she helped me a lot. And, um, I think everyone in my family just really wanted me to get better because they could see the shift in my mood. And I really wasn't like talking at the dinner table anymore. And I just didn't want to do anything. Um, so I think they were there the whole time, especially when I felt lonely for my friends. I was still, I still had a good support system at home, which is good. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear because I think on, in, in experiences like these, it's having a, a strong support system is really, is really important to have someone kind of support you through it, whether it be a family, parents, coach, any, anyone. Um, thank you very much, Nicole, for your time and your, uh, and your speech was, was uh, really nice to hear from you. Now the next speaker we have is our uh, is our very own uh, Abdullah Rahimi. He is our um, he's he's in the biomedical science. Even though him and I were in similar programs, I didn't really meet him until like my fifth year, and we just re randomly ran into each other at the uh, at the gym. And I'm like, how come I never <laughs> seen you before? But uh, he's he's also our operations coordinator at the at the CLFC chapter. And uh, Abdullah, the floor is uh, the floor is all yours. I'd like to thank Abdullah again. For the introduction. It is quite confusing. We both have the same name, same spelling, similar backgrounds. So if you want, you can just call me Abdullah too. <laughs> it's really fine. So yeah, thank you for this introduction. Uh, I'm a fourth year biomedical science student at Ryerson University. I am also the operations co-coordinator. So I'm in charge of organizing meetings, running events, initiatives, and social media and so forth. Uh, I've had many concussions. I'd like to talk about uh, not my first, but like the most major concussion I had. Uh, I do play, oh, I, I like to mention the sports I play. I played a, a lot of contact sports. I played wrestling. I did rugby. I did football until it was time to pay for the uniforms and the equipment. And that's when I had to, uh, yikes, leave. But uh, so I do have plenty of experience in contact sports. And uh, I like to give a background. So I want to talk about rugby in particular. So in rugby, there's like a scrum. It's like similar in football where you have the two lines of scrimmage, the two opposing teams, and they have to like throw the ball in to the scrum. The team kicks it back and they have the ball and they make the play. And I played a position called flanker. It's very similar to like a linebacker in, in football where you have to like sack the QB. And I had to sack the scrum half. And my job was to tackle people. And I was pretty good at it. I did it a lot. Uh, Unfortunately, some of those experiences were fun. Some of those were not fun. Uh, my mercy, I actually kind of get in a little, uh, a little emotional talking about it too. So, uh, so my major experiences was I went for a tackle this one time. I was, well, let me just give some more background information. This was senior year high school, grade twelve. This is focusing on everything, trying to get ready for university, and I was also playing sports at the same time. So flank position. 
I go for the tackle, I go for the takedown, I eat a knee to the head, and uh, I blank out completely. Uh, obviously, you don't really remember what happens in a concussion. It's just like speculation from my teammates telling me, and my coach telling me. So I eat the knee, I blank out for five minutes, and uh, I wake up, and everyone's looking at me. Everyone's like clapping, you know, you know how like an airplane lands and everyone's just clapping. Like that's the same thing that happened to me. And uh, I didn't know what was going on. I woke up as I was carried out on like two people on their shoulders and I sat it out. And also I like to mention that when I did get hit, I fell stiff like a board and bounced my head off the floor too. So I got two concussions for the price of one. And uh, that being said, I went home. I sat it out and uh, I waited it out like a clueless child. I didn't go to a doctor or anything. I didn't get any help. Uh, and that's why I wanted to come here today and talk about it because uh, I often find myself and other teammates, I can like think of three off the top of my head right now that's gone to similar experiences as myself. And they actually ended up rejoining a game of rugby right after it, like receiving a major traumatic experience. And this is something I truly regret because this has affected me, my, my study life and my social life, even to this day. Uh, obviously, when I heard the opportunity of joining the Concussion Legacy Foundation at Ryerson University, uh, I felt like I would be the poster child because I was ignorant and dumb and like, I felt like a superhero. I felt like I was invincible as a high school student. And this is part of the, uh, like the Concussion Legacy Foundation is bringing concussion awareness to youth and young athletes. You know, uh, I guess uh, it's also not about like the major hits, it's the subconcussive hits as well. And I've experienced plenty of those. So afterwards, how this affected my studies was that, uh, like, how it affected my studies was that I had like major nausea. Like I've never felt any nausea of this kind before in my life. It is, uh, <laughs> just thinking about it just gets me just feeling gross. I don't know if anyone else like just pure nausea and like I felt headaches I couldn't study and this like I mentioned before this was my senior year in high school so I was busy studying for exams and trying to get into universities that I wanted and the fact that I had this major concussion it was it was literally impossible it was impossible to do anything and I at first I thought it'd be like a week or two you know just concussions and like many other people mentioned this dragged out for like a month like two months or three I can't even recall it, to be honest. Uh, it actually still affects me to this day. Uh, I do kind of have like a light, mild light sensitivity. Bright lights kind of do hurt me somewhat. Like that's why I'm kind of situated in like a dark room. Uh, like ther therapy wise, I was like exercising. I did find that to help me a lot. Uh, but yeah, to this day, I still don't feel 100%. And I just like the I just like to share that experience with everyone, just so that they don't have to go through that, because that was not fun. Thank you, uh, Abdullah, very much for your story. It's well, one of the things is honestly, with this whole concussion thing is is like he said, it's it's very tough, and you don't know in most of the situations you don't know if you even had it. You just get hit, and you don't even know what's going on. Uh, luckily. I, this is, I've never, even though I was maybe not as active as he was or didn't play as much contact sports as he did, but I did play a lot of, like, a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of soccer. And I have luckily never experienced a concussion, even though one time I've, I've, I've always played as a goalkeeper and I've always 
dove to the ball. Like, even back as a kid, I was playing like in the streets on concrete, and my mother always made fun of me. Like he's like she, she said, it's not like it's not like you're playing for the World Cup. Why are you jumping exactly. for the ball so exactly. hard? Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I've always had this competitive nature. And one time, this was in in like the end of the near the end of high school. I was the goalkeeper, and I jumped to essentially I was trying to get the ball, and some guy was trying to get a header, trying to get the ball in. But instead of heading the ball, he headed my head. I Definitely. I got up. I got up and continued playing because I, I didn't honestly up to this day I don't even know if I if I did get any anything that happened I, I just kept kept playing until I noticed my 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 forehead was bleeding and that's that's essentially when I stepped aside, but I never really went and got tested or any, or because people don't know I didn't even know of of how 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 could it happen so this is something very um yeah. it's very good that we you know I'd we, like we get, to we mention have you guys. also that like uh like going home like my parents are immigrants like. Like they come from a village with no running water or electricity back home, you know. So this whole thought of like traumatic brain injury is it's a very foreign concept that that kind of contributed to this like whole it's like sitting it out, like trying to wait it out, whole mentality I had at home. I don't blame them obviously, but that that just brings uh, to the reason that there needs to be awareness about this. Like I really don't want anyone else going through what I went through. That was a really traumatic time. It was really not fun, like the very least. And yeah. Also, Bill, you mentioned that like with soccer and headers, that's also a big issue in soccer. But thank you for thank you for your time. If anyone has any questions, I can gladly answer them. Thank you yeah, very much, I, uh, Abdullah. So, how you gonna say something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did have a question. Um, you mentioned that you had some light sensitivity, and yeah. since when the age of um, or well, back then, I guess. How did you um, like look at a computer screen, which is usually generally very bright? I'd like, um, I'd, I wear shades, uh, I'd wear shades to school. Oh, we didn't really use like schools like screens mm -hmm. back then. I've obviously have slightly adjusted better now, but I didn't have much trouble. I wear shades to school and it also helped with like the bruising and the black eyes. Oh man, that's, yeah. uh, that's very, yeah. very tough. Yeah, I was very, uh, I was very like contact heavy. Yeah, I actually, I actually did have a friend who who would, would did said the same thing. He also had a concussion, and essentially, to use the computers, he had to wear some sort of uh, glasses, some sort of protection to reduce the amount of light, because his lifestyle or his work, whatever, required him to sit in front of of uh, of a screen. Um, so, I, Abdullah, I have one more yeah. question. Sorry. Um, so, what would you recommend for uh, other people who may have had a concussion? Um, a lot of people just do the sit out method. And um, what would you recommend to, to those people instead of just sitting First out, of all, waiting to, it out? Go to a doctor, go to a doctor, come on. Don't make these stupid mistakes that I have made. You have to go to a doctor. I've also read some articles that like light aerobic exercise, like very light aerobic exercise helps. I think uh, Theodora mentioned that as well, or Nicole also. But that also, try that, give that a shot. And just be open about it, you know? Many of us have, you know, like difficulties speaking with our parents, you know, we're not as, as tight with them or as close contact with them as others, but feel free to talk about it. That's all. Thank you very much for sharing your incredible story. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Abdullah. Uh, now the next two speakers are from UFT, Manpreet. Uh, she's going to introduce them for us. Yeah. So now we have Joseph. Carreri, and he is a recent graduate of the kinesiology program at the University of Toronto. He is still a member of the Concussion Legacy Foundation chapter at UFT, and 
He also has a long history with concussions and is a very passionate advocate for the concussion awareness. So he will be sharing his story. So Joseph, hey, are you there? Yeah. How's everyone doing? I want to yeah, so. thank you guys for having me. Um, and thanks for sharing your stories. I resonated with a lot of them. Um, I want to start by giving my two cents on how I think it's amazing that, you know, we've gotten together to have this conversation. I think the discussion between concussion and mental health is one that needs to happen a lot more often uh, for several reasons. You know, firstly, concussion is a brain injury and uh, our brain is what controls our emotions. So, you know, a lot of this affective disturbance, emotional disturbance that happens following concussion, it's very plausible that like it, it's a result of, you know, the, the, the network in our brain controlling our emotions being disturbed. So a lot of the you know acutely following injury, this is a massive emotional disturbance. I think Nicole's story stood out to me. She said like she was a super happy person beforehand, and then you know she thought she'd be okay, but immediately after, or however long after, she's stopped feeling okay. She entered a depressive episode, and you know like it just goes to show that our brains are the ones controlling our emotions. On top of that, I think with any injury, but particularly concussion, um, whoever sustains it is placed in a pretty vulnerable position they go from you know like their normal routine and what whatever what would be considered normal for them and they're placed into this essentially this new way of life for a little bit however long it might last um they some people are exposed to uh you know the social culture and social stigma of you know this invisible injury uh, which can be very stressful uh, some people um, just the fact that it has wide variety of symptoms that come with concussion can be very hard to na navigate, both for the person experiencing it and for, you know, the support system around them, and that can be very stressful. So there are a lot of different stress stressors that can have an impact on one's mental state, one's emotional state. So I think it's great that we're having this conversation. Now, I am six and a half years out from my, the, my major injury. Um, I still experience post-concussive symptoms pretty much every single day. Um, I'm, I'm not content with where I'm at because I'm not, like, I'm not healthy um, and I see room for improvement, but I am much, much more comfortable with uh, where I am and where, where, where I'm at with my injury and how to progress things in the direction I want to head. Uh, and I've hit the point where I know how to make decisions in a way that will push my health forward. Now, it wasn't always like that. Uh, it wasn't like that for like a couple of years. Um, and, you know, six and a half years ago, I was 16, 17 at the time. I, or just beyond that, I was about 16. I was an athlete. Uh, that is what I saw myself as. And that is what, that is what I thought others perceived me as. My, my friends used to have a nickname for me. Um, they used to call me Captain Carreri because I was the captain of a lot of like the elementary school sport teams and the uh, couple of high school sport teams and club teams outside of school. So this whole I resonated and associated very strongly with this athletic identity from when I was a kid. And um, I love sport pretty much more than anything. And at that time, like grade 11, I was on the school, the indoor track team, my club hockey team, the school hockey team. And then I was part of a personal fitness program uh, at the school. And you're sitting there thinking like, Joseph, that's a bit excessive. You're hundred percent right. And I, uh, it ended up being too much for my body to handle. And I ended up spraining a ligament, took me out of sport for, 11 months. And those were very difficult 11 months for me. I, uh, it wasn't very uncommon to catch me in a super agitated mood, very frustrated, um, just a bunch of negative emotions, anxiety, uh, sadness, you know, I experienced all of them and it wouldn't be 
a common to catch me in a mood where I would project those on the person. Uh, but I trusted my therapist and uh, I did most of what they told me to do. And eventually I got back. And I, I just remember coming back to sport, I decided to choose one and it was going to be hockey. Uh, and I chose to ease into things. And when I eased into them, I remember stepping on the ice and sitting there thinking like, I didn't actually think any of these thoughts, but you know, going back and trying to make sense of what I was experiencing, I was basically thinking like, thank God I'm back here. Like I was just so happy and so content. Like I was basically being able to do what makes me, me again. And the longer, uh, the longer the amount of time I spent out from sport, the more and more I felt like I was losing that athletic identity. Again, I wasn't actually sitting there thinking I was having these emotions, but I've taken some sport psychology courses with my degree and just being able to sit back and look and try to internalize like what I was feeling, like that's pretty much what I come to terms with. Like that's what I was experiencing. So um, where was I? Uh, yeah, so I just hopped back in and everything was going well until about four or five games and I was hit from behind, top of my head hit the boards and about an hour later, uh, that sensation came over me. Um, it wasn't my first concussion. So when that sensation of just being spaced out and uh, a little confused came over me, I was, I knew I was concussed. And I just remember the, just this wave of like devastation just passed over me. Like, you've gotta be kidding me. Like I just spent 11 months clawing back to, you know, regaining my identity, recapturing my identity, you know, doing getting back to doing what makes me me and I face the prospect of missing out for another month however it was so I was devastated and a little bit of disbelief and then pretty much immediately after that I uh, experienced guilt and uh, guilt towards a couple of things like I was a captain of my hockey team at the time I spent I just spent 11 months out from them like it's it's pretty hard to fulfill that leadership role when you're on the sidelines so now I'm sitting and thinking like don't even deserve to be captain like sh like, like I need to give the seat to somebody else like I felt guilty toward my, my teammates and my coaches. They expected things from me that I wasn't delivering on again because I was injured. Um, and on top of that, I felt guilty toward my parents. You know, they just spent thousands of dollars on hockey. They lost out on the money lot, like the previous year because I had just, I was injured for 11 months. And now who knows when I'll recover again. And it's likely whatever, a month or so with that, uh, you know, normal concussion recovery takes, but it's not something I wanted to bring up to them. Uh, and on top of that, I think above all else, like my parents, especially my dad, love watching me play sports um, as much as I love playing them. So not being able to like give him that, uh, it really hurt me. And I felt guilt because of that. And these emotions of disbelief, guilt, uh, devastation, um, they, in a cycle like that I will explain, they basically grew over the next few years. Um, and right then and there, when I experienced them, I said, screw it, like, I I'm just going to play through it. Uh, it'll probably take long to recover, but uh, I will eventually recover. And uh, I decided to play. And I, my symptoms just kept getting worse and worse. I was experiencing headaches, you know, difficulty concentrating, concentrating, sensitivity to sound, like a whole bunch of different symptoms that just kept getting worse and worse to the point where, like, after my fifth game, I got into the car and, like, half my head was numb. And I looked at my dad. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. But by that point, it was too late. Um, you know, I've been experiencing persistent symptoms for every single day for like six and a half years since then. And I wish I could have told you that that was my wake up call, that not like not being able to physically do anything anymore, like physically go and play sport anymore was my wake up call, but it wasn't. Uh, I sort of fell into this cycle 
following that. Uh, basically, I stopped playing sport, but there was still the cycle of having like just a lot of bad symptoms. Like you could just check them pretty much everyone off the list. There's only a few I didn't have really from the concussion symptoms. Um, having them be so strong put me into like, just made me experience these overwhelming negative emotions of just anxiety. Uh, I wouldn't say full on depression, but I was, I was sad. I was not a happy person, uh, extremely frustrated. I felt trapped as a person in basically my own body. Um, and because I was feeling those symptoms, or sorry, because I was experiencing those emotions, I was coping with my injury poorly and I made bad decisions. And those bad decisions would often lead to me worsening my symptoms, um, which that made me feel even worse. And I just fell into this cycle of, you know, worsening symptoms, feeling all these overwhelming negative emotions because of it and then making poor decisions because of that. And like, for an example, like I'd spend one day, you know, all good healing my brain. And then the next day I'd be like, screw it. I'm going to go out and drink with my friends. Like I want to have some fun, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm always stressed about what I'm going through, but, and the drinking was not, it wasn't a good thing. And I would worsen my symptoms and this cycle continued. And, um, you know, these, these negative emotions, my symptoms and the, the decisions just kept getting worse and worse. Um, and, you know, for about two and a half years, three years. And as you can imagine, not much progress was made in terms of my recovery over those few years. Um, but one day, I don't know exactly what came over me, but I went to my doctor. I had been seeing my doctors throughout the pretty much the entire process, but I went to my doctor and I decided to be a good patient that day. And what I mean by that is like, I wasn't, I was never overly lying to them, but you know, when you go to your doctor, sometimes you put forth a narrative and the narrative I was putting forth was not necessarily fully encompassing. But that day, for whatever reason, I just put everything on the table, told him what I was experiencing both emotionally um, and physically. And he looked at me and basically, in so many words, he said like, man, we need to start attending to your psychological well-being, your, your emotional well-being on top of all these physical symptoms that you're having. And I, uh, he put me on antidepressants, he suggested therapy. I ended up sticking with the antidepressants, but you know, sometimes I wish I went to the therapy as well. And that right there, that moment, I don't know the exact day, but that moment was the turning point in my recovery. When someone decided to, um, when I opened up to my doctor and ex explained what I was experiencing, and he said, we need to attend to the psychological aspect of your injury, the emotional aspect of your injury, that was a turning point for me because that is when I started to enter a mindset that I was capable of doing the things I needed to do to progress my health forward. I started to accept my injury. I started to become more comfortable with what I was going through and not necessarily experiencing all the guilt, the devastation and things like that. Um, I didn't wake up the next morning and it wasn't, everything was all clear, but it was a progressive from that point on, like I made progress pretty much over the months. And uh, it's been four and a half years since then, roughly. I made a lot of progress that I'm very proud of, a lot of progress that I'm happy about. There's still room for improvement in terms of my health, but uh, I've been off antidepressants for a while. Uh, like uh, many different aspects of my recovery have been have skyrocketed since that point. And um, that is more or less where I want to hit home that, you know, I, I tried to keep my story as short as possible, but I think, I hope my story emphasizes the fact that you can, the like this discussion between concussion and mental health is so important because it can be attending to those psychological symptoms, those emotional symptoms can be the lock and key to someone's recovery. 
you know, someone can sit there and know absolutely everything they need to do in order to recover themselves. But if they're not like in an emotional state, in a psychological state to go ahead and do those things, that information is practically meaningless. So I think it's extremely important that we're having this conversation. I think it's extremely important that it gets put out there that, you know, mental health um, and psychological impact of a concussion is a huge portion that needs to be attended to when people are, are being treated and, you know, throughout their recovery. So I hope that my story shed a little bit of light on that. Um, thank you guys for having me. If you have any questions, let me know. Um, thank you, Joseph, for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Um, but I have a question for you regarding your concussion. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering how long did you think that would take for you to recover from your concussion and like has it met and met your expectations of like the recovery process when it comes to your concussion? So I've sort of tossed all expectations out the window um, simply because I've, I don't, there's not much research on people who are this far out. Like I'm six and a half years out. There's not much research on people this far out. I, I could ex still experience symptoms on my life or one day I could wake up and like not have a headache. So I'm not hundred percent sure. All I do know is I see room for improvement. I know that there are things I can do to try and get myself there. So I just focus on doing those things and hoping for the best. Um, it wasn't always like that. I, like, I've only hit that point, you know, in the past few years, but that's where I'm at right now. Um, but I would say if someone's just hopping out of a concussion, as pretty much everyone else here has said, listen to your doctor and take it seriously. Uh, because I truly truly believe i don't know for certain but i truly believe that if i didn't play through my injury and i didn't make a lot of those dumb decisions i, I would not be uh experiencing what i'm experiencing right now okay thank you so much um for our next speaker we have uh nicholas Eustace, and he has a double majored um in sociology and psychology and intends on studying sports business management next year. And he has played hockey, lacrosse growing up and has been involved in concussion awareness since 2013. Hi, Nicholas, are you there? Is he there? Oh, hey. I can't hear yeah. yeah, I, think I can't hear you, yeah. Yeah, it says uh, you're on mute, but uh, there's no volume coming in from my end either. That's weird. I was going to say, do we have someone that can read lips and just have him talk and then translate for us? <laughs> Well, in the, in, in the meantime, I had uh, some questions uh, written down for, <clears throat> for Joseph, um, if, if that's possible. Hey, yeah. Yeah, so um, you mentioned that you had difficulty concentrating and you had sensitivity of sound, uh, like uh, immediately a days after your um, the concussion. Um, how did that impact your experience in a classroom setting? Uh, school was pretty rough for me those first couple of years that I was in that cycle. Um, I sort of pushed through it, but my grades like definitely suffered. Um, 
I honestly, there was points where I thought I was going to have to drop out to handle whatever I was going through. Um, it might have been better on my like my CV and my you know, my you know my academic transcript may have been better my first couple of years if I did do that, but uh, I definitely was it was impacted and only when I started receiving accessibility did uh, my numbers start to go up and I was able to handle things a little bit better. So I would say like, it's a good point to mention with advocate for yourself, you need accessibility because of what you're going through, like push for it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd assume that it definitely affected studies because it's uh, hard, uh, hard to like study for exams or tests or anything coming up and the stress of that probably added more, uh, more to everything. Um, uh, sorry, one last question. Um, how uh, did you have any, uh, uh, did you have a strong support system? Like how did your coaches or your team members or your family or anybody, was, uh, how did that impact your recovery? My support system was, I would say not knowledgeable. I think that's what I would state it as, like loving people, but just not knowledgeable. And it impacted me pretty negatively at first because they just didn't understand what I was going through. Um, I think a lot of my coaches decided to put decision on me whether or not I should keep playing. And I sit back and think like, you're talking to a 16 year old brain injured kid, like it, the decision should not be on me. So I, I don't, I try my best not to blame anyone, but I will say there was just widespread lack of knowledge across my entire support system that made, that could have made a difference. Um, then again, they were never explained what a concussion is. Like growing up, a lot of our parents wasn't made top, like, top of the conversation. So yeah, loving people, um, not very knowledgeable. And that's why I think and it, it impacted me, I would say negatively, but I think that I don't blame it. I think it, that it just goes to show it's important to that this information reaches the general public. Yeah, that's uh, uh, one of the biggest reasons why we're doing this. So the general public can also know about what a concussion is and how to maybe help someone who's going through the, a concussion. Um, we have a question from the audience. I believe Alexandra, um, if you want, you can unmute yourself and ask your question or uh, just put it in the chat. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, I just wanted to talk about something that I related to. Um, it's the fact that like when you lose um, like playing a sport or like, for example, for me, I was a dancer and you just sort of, you have to deal with the loss of it. it it's like, if someone were to ask me when, before I got hit, um, like, who are you? I, I would respond with, I'm a dancer. And that's part of your identity. And to have that like be taken away, you have to deal with, um, like you have to grieve that and I feel like that's not something that's talked about a lot. Um, and I know that for me, it really impacted my mental health because uh, especially with social media, I would see my, my dancer friends and that they would, um, you know, be going to competitions and all that. And I just, I felt left out, um, you know, and, and I still feel left out, but it, it's still something that I'm trying to deal with. I'm, it'll be seven years in April and it's just, it's just, it's just hard, you know? Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. I, yeah, I resonate with that pretty hard. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, sharing that, Alexandra. Um, Manpreet, you have the floor. 
Pardon? Uh, you have uh, the floor, sorry. Um, is Nicholas oh. back, I think? Yeah, yeah uh, Nicholas, I think he's here. He's um, unmuted and figured out the microphone situation. Can you hear me now? Yeah, Yep. we can hear you. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. I just want to say thank you for setting this up. Uh, I truly believe that highlighting the correlation between mental health and concussions is very important and that's something it's something that's not recognized as much as it should be. Um, just to give a, a little bit about myself, I'm a recent graduate from Western, currently working full-time in Toronto. I've been personally affected by concussions for a long, long time, but uh, I'm just going to talk about the ones start dating back from 2013. And I've been heavily involved with concussion awareness on and off since 2013 and I just want to apologize in advance I'm a little nervous so just bear with me uh, and I'll get into it so um, I played pretty high level hockey my entire life um, I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with but I played in the GTHL growing up and I played AAA on we were considered one of the top two teams in, in North America at the time uh, we ended up winning a few GTHL championships, a few um, OHF championships, and an OHL Cup. So as everyone, or as Joseph was saying, uh, I identified as a hockey player. That was my past, present, and future. I had goals to play professionally, and I was in contact with a few Division I schools. And having a lot of my friends go on to play either in the OHL or NHL. Um, that was what I wanted to do. And unfortunately that was cut short due to a few concussions and I'll, I'll touch upon the one that kind of um, started my, my downward spiral. Uh, it was in my draft year. So that would have been grade 11, I believe, or grade 10, grade 10 actually. And I was concussed in the first game of the season and I ended up all in all being out for six months. Uh, eventually I got back and we ended up winning the OHL cup and I gained some attention from, as I said, from schools down in the States, uh, schools like Providence, Penn State. Um, I was talking to Yale, just, just, just to name a few. And um, I had my sights set on the next year of really establishing myself and I went to a few, um, they were like uh, top 72 camps. It was like a showcase for uh, division one schools to look at players. So I was invited to two of those and I was really looking forward to actually playing a full year of hockey. But again, that was cut short. Um, it was the beginning of the year, I think the end of September I was going in on a four check and I actually hit a kid and our hel helmets collided. And I ended up, when I hit him right away, I knew something was off. Um, my eyesight went black. I was seeing stars. I was completely dizzy. I felt like I was going to throw up on the spot, but being a, a young, dumb kid, uh, I didn't listen to the, to my body. And I mean, I was dumb, but I was smart enough to know that, if I had told my parents and I had told my doctors that 
they would have recommended for me to stop playing hockey and that just that didn't sit right with me at the time so I continued on and I, I ended up playing for probably a month and a bit while having headaches every single day I just remember leaving school and getting home and going straight to my room turning off the light and sleeping basically like from the time I got home until the morning and I would I remember taking probably four to five Advil prior to games just without even thinking about what I would do I was just so determined on signing my letter of intent to a, a division one school but uh, I one after one game or I think it was a before a game my my symptoms were just too much for me to handle and my mom had that motherly instinct and came in and confronted me and I ended up breaking down and telling her that I'd been concealing symptoms for six weeks or so and we ended up going to the doctors my parents and I doctors my coaches all made the decision that I should retire and so that was it for hockey, but unfortunately that was not it for my concussion experience. Um, for, I think, so I retired in grade 11. And for those, for, for, for a few years there, um, my mindset was, okay, now I'm done with hockey. I can just kind of live my life. Obviously I, I went through rehab for probably six months at, uh, once I did finish hockey and I was in and out of school for six months, thankfully the school I went to, we were ahead of the curve in terms of uh, concussion rehabilitation. So we had a, a return to learn program where I started off doing half days. And if I had symptoms, I could go to, it was called the learning center. I could go there and just kind of relax and try and sleep it off almost. And I, I think without that, I honestly wouldn't have graduated high school at the time that I did. So I was thankful that happened. Um, but once I got to grade 12 in university, I was still experiencing symptoms every day. But in my mind, I was done with hockey. I didn't have to rehab so I could get back on the ice. Um, and I just didn't listen to my body at all. And looking back on it, it was a huge mistake. And I think as Joseph was saying, it's prolonged my um, concussion recovery. It's like, it's probably been nine years almost. And I still get symptoms on a weekly basis. If not every some, every three days I'll, I'll get headaches. They're not as bad, but it's still quite annoying. I get pressure in the side of my head. Um, going out, like if I go to a, a basketball game, that's when I've noticed, or like going somewhere where it's really, there's a lot of stimulation. I just feel completely drained by the end of the event. Like, I feel like I'm in a fog, my eyes are heavy. Um, my mood is completely ruined. I just feel tired. I have a, a, a headache, but it's a weird kind of nagging headache. And it's just not enjoyable at all. And reason being was all throughout university, um, I did a lot of stupid things. Um, I was severely depressed after not being able to uh, at least attempt to play some sort of professional hockey or just continue to play hockey in general. As they were saying before, that was my identity. 
and having that stripped away and watching some of my friends go on to do, which I'm proud of them, but some of my friends and teammates go on to do things that I wanted to do ever since I was five, six years old was tough to swallow. And so I ended up just combating that and trying to alleviate both the physical and mental um, symptoms that I was experiencing through drugs and alcohol. And I just remember it got to a point where, um, sorry, uh, it got to a point where like on a daily basis, I was doing either drug, like either doing drugs or drinking excessively until I felt normal, both mentally and physically. And that was a short-term fix, but in the long run, that's just, that's just caused so many more issues for me. And, but at that time, you're, you're such a young, immature kid. And I, I do feel like there was some pressure from both the hockey culture and the university culture of going out. Like, uh, I looked at it almost as a game. I still had that, that hockey player mentality where I was like, okay, if I can just get to a certain level of being intoxicated, I won't have my symptoms anymore. And I can go out and enjoy myself. And if you were to ask any, anyone who saw me out and about throughout my university like experience, they would have told you I was a happy-go-lucky guy and an extrovert. But in reality, like I just felt awful. I, I remember days where I wouldn't leave my bed till like 3 p.m., 4 p.m. And as I said, the only way I did feel normal was through drugs and alcohol. And that just ended up leading to a downward spiral of battling depression and really bad social anxiety for for a while and it got to a point where uh, my depression led to suicidal thoughts which looking back on it like I can't believe I was that per like I can't believe I got to a point in my life where that was even considered and I'm happy that I had such a, a good support system around me that at the time it made things easier because I was really down and not thinking straight in any sense. Just you add the combination of uh, brain injury with uh, being stripped, having your, your lifetime goal stripped away from you and your identity stripped away from you. And then um, combating that with drugs and alcohol. It was just not a a good mix and so um that was not an enjoyable time in my life but thankfully i got through that with the help of um both my i so my i went to the university of western and my nana lives in london so i spent a lot of time at my grandparents and that kind of was nice to have and during that time and my mom was very supportive my friends were super supportive i don't think they knew to the extent that I was suffering but um, I remember sometimes there were nights where um, people were going out and one of my friends stayed in with me and that was at a point where I was almost at my lowest and him doing that really really uh, helped out in that situation so um, 
that, that was just the first few years. And then I started getting better and things started to progress. But unfortunately, I suffered another concussion in my second or third year of university. And at the time, like, I can't, I can't even believe this is what gave me a concussion. I was coming out of the shower at my house in university and our roofs were slanted and I was drying my hair and I put my head back like that and hit my head off the, the ceiling. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, but I woke up the next day and I was like, oh my God, here we go again. Um, I had headaches, pressure in my head. I, the thing for me when I, I realized like the biggest thing I, I notice when I have a concussion again is my mood just starts going and I became really irritated, depressed again, uh, which ultimately ended up in me leaving Western for the year. And my year was uh, completely wiped out. Thankfully, um, Western was very understanding about that. And I spent the year back at home just taking it easy, recovering, uh, looking at the way I went about things and just reflecting on how I was living my life, uh, which thank God I did that because since that year, I've been a lot more mindful of things and a lot more mindful of the binge drinking and what that does to both my physical and mental health. And since that that year, I've been pretty much, um, well, I was concussion free for two years. And then last year I was playing non-contact hockey um, at Western in a league called the Lug. And I was, I take it really easy. I just enjoy being able to be on the ice and being with a team. And I, I really miss that camaraderie of a team. So having that option to play non-contact hockey was a blessing, but at this point it, it, it was not at all. I was coming in on a two-on-one and I shot the puck and the D-man slid and he took my legs out and I went head first in the boards. And again, right away, I was like, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me right now. And I went home and uh, I texted my girlfriend. I was like, hey, I've, I have a headache. I told her what happened. And she nagged me, you, you think I would have learned from my mistakes of concealing symptoms, but she nagged me to go see a doctor. And again, I went and I realized, well, I knew prior to that, that I had another concussion. And I went and I saw a doctor and she put me on um, some medication that helped with headaches and helped with um, some of the mental symptoms or the emotional symptoms. And ever since then, I've, I've been pretty good. Um, I've really toned down the physical contact, so I don't even play the non-contact hockey. Um, I've really stopped drinking for the most part, which has been a blessing. That's the one thing that's been a blessing about this pandemic is that I don't feel the need to drink nearly as much, and I don't feel the need to go out and... Um, take a toll on my my brain which has been really nice just kind of relaxing and resetting and prioritizing my overall health and um yeah it's been it's that's been a nice change of pace but 
that's 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 about it in terms of my story i really hope going forward that i don't have to deal with this anymore and that i don't have to deal with another concussion because after eight or nine years of on and off concussions and dealing with symptoms on a, a weekly basis it really takes its toll on you but i found one of the the biggest things for me that has helped both well, especially with the mental aspect is just being open and honest and being transparent with my situation and how I'm feeling and doing things like this. Um, I wrote an article uh, for the Western chapter a few years ago, and it was the first time that I'd actually really laid out my experience uh, in any sort of public format. And that felt incredible doing so and doing something like this. I hope that it can be of service to whoever's watching. And if you have any questions, concerns, not concerns, but any questions or just um, comments, and uh, feel free to message me. Well, thank you, Nick, for sharing your story. Um, I believe there are some questions that we have for you. Uh, yeah. Soha, you could go ahead. Uh, yeah, um, thank you so much for sharing that incredible story. It's very, um, there's a lot, a lot going on. Uh, with that. <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, I had had one, I had a couple questions. I guess the first one was, um, you said you had, you went through a concussion rehab initially, um, yeah. a couple years ago. Um, can you speak on the experience, like through that and how that may or may not help, or did it, did it help in the short term versus long term? Yeah, yeah, so like everyone else here you i think i did similar things um i went to physio i went to multiple doctors i went to an osteopath um it did help for the first concussion uh, um as i said i had a, a goal of getting back on the ice so i think that was more motivating me more motivating for me to work towards that goal and i did something similar for a few months um after the second concussion but just not having that goal of, or not having the motivation of returning to the ice or trying to get back to hockey as a 16, 17 year old, I just kind of got sick of things and said, screw it. And just continued living my life like I was symptom free, which ultimately was just <laughs> such a dumb thing to do. But yeah, I mean, we can uh, obviously continue to blame ourselves, but I think the bigger issue why we're all here was that there was no awareness around um, how, how to go around with uh, with a concussion and, thing, and something like that. So I guess a lot of us, we are just, we just go along with it, like, it's fine, you know, it's going to be okay with, with everything, right? Um, but yeah, I'm glad you actually went out uh, to get some help. Yeah. Um, that's also a good, that's always a good step. Yeah. But I also, uh, yeah, another question. Um, what's your advice on someone who might see the like the route of drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism? And what, what, what would you say to someone who might be thinking of going that route? Oh, man, I'd, I'd say it's a short-term fix for the night or for however long you, you're intoxicated, but in the long-term, like it's not worth it at all, man. I've, I mean, I've been dealing with this for eight, nine years, and I'm sure Joseph can relate like six and a half years. It's not fun. It, it takes its toll on you. 
And so I just tell them like, is a, a night of going out worth it? Um, just be, be honest to your friends. I wish I would be more open and just said, Hey, look, like I have a headache right now. Uh, I can't go out because I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this, but just being 18 to 20 something living in a university environment, there is a certain pressure to go out. And at the time you're such a young kid, you're like, Oh, it's only a headache, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it at all. Yeah, the university party life is it's very it's a very big culture. Yeah, and I um, think thank you. Yeah, I think that's another thing. Um, there's also a culture associated not just with hockey, but a lot of a lot of the contact sports. There is a culture of drinking and going out with mm -hmm. with your team. So I think just having that also weighing on me was was something that uh, pressured me into making some bad decisions. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, I think Joseph, you had a comment or a question. And yeah, Nick, I just, I just wanted to say like, Adina told me that you and I had to speak because she told me like our stories are very similar, but I believe man, like listening, like there's just so many aspects that I connect with that it, it's just, insane like especially like you kept saying like you know I was a stupid young kid blah 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 and that like I'm you may feel a bit of guilt like I feel that too like there's just, yeah. there's a lot of areas that um I resonate with um you know you guys were just talking about the drinking like I mean I just remember sometimes going out getting smashed and just just being the worst decision and waking up and just feeling terrible for a week so like I just want to let you know like I resonate with yeah. that yeah Listen, listening to your story, I was like, oh, I can, I can relate. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, but hopefully us doing something like this, people can learn from our mistakes and just not, not do what we did. That's why I think it's important that you, like, you share it. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. What high school did you go to that had that program so well set up? I was curious. Uh, so I played hockey at St. Mike's. Oh, you see my, okay, okay. Yeah, we were, I was so thankful for that. I honestly, there's no way I would have graduated. No way. Yeah. Okay, uh, thank you, Nick, for sharing your story and thank you for all the questions. Um, I believe Jeff is going to speak for a few minutes about the CLFC. Um, Jeff, are you there? Thanks, Manpreet. And uh, thanks to all our speakers uh, this afternoon, guys. You guys all were fantastic. You know, it's no easy task just to um, say your, or speak your own story and, and open up to everyone. So I'm, I'll say on behalf of everyone, you know, we appreciate you guys taking that time and taking that uh, brave step forward. Um, Myself, my name is Jeff Brooks. I'm the Director of Operations at Concussion Legacy Foundation Canada. Uh, I wanted to also give a huge round of applause to or, or Zoom fingers or Zoom snaps, whatever you want to call it, uh, to uh, our three chapters who organized this and put this all together. Um, as it's been echoed many times, everyone, you know, this is a great way to kind of raise some awareness and chat about things that uh, aren't always taught. Uh, easy topics to discuss. So uh, 
good on you just for joining and part, you know, whether you're a listener um, or a speaker or you helped organize, it was, it's great to see from everyone. Um, I don't want to take spotlight away from anyone, but I just wanted to mention too that Concussion Legacy Foundation has a helpline that you can always reach out to as well. Um, whether you are uh, freshly uh, diagnosed with a concussion or you could be, you know, a few years down the road and kind of feel like you've exhausted all your outcomes, but you reach out through the helpline. Um, it's a form that can you can see on our website. It's also on our Instagram. And uh, we will put you in touch with our helpline coordinator who will find resources in your area um, that you may not be uh, familiar with, um, as well as if you are interested, you can be paired with a mentor, someone who's been through what you've been through, um, to kind of talk you through it just so you have, you know, someone else to discuss with who can relate rather than maybe a medical health professional or sometimes your family and friends, they try to be as supportive as they can, but they don't know what you're going through. So I uh, just wanted to make that resource so uh, aware, everyone aware of that resource if you didn't already. Um, and yes, thank you, Tal. I believe you shared. Yeah, you shared it uh, on our on the chat there. So um, always reach out to that if you or you know you know someone also who might be going through that and could need that resource as well. Uh, otherwise, I'll send it back over to Manpreet and uh, Abdullah. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Um, so I would first off like to thank everyone uh, for sharing their stories. I do truly admire you guys for actually putting yourself out there because it's something that is not easily talked about. And thank you for telling your experiences and stories to everyone. So that way we could bring more awareness to this topic. And um, I believe Abdullah feels the same way. Abdullah, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I have actually two general comments just before we uh, we wrap this up. The first is from Nick's story, how he was talking about himself, uh, how if you asked about him, how he would like, how would people describe him and how he is like a, this whole extrovert, introvert thing. And this is actually one thing that what one of my professors mentioned to me is what determines your if you're extrovert or introvert mainly is how do you recharge yourself when you go? Is it do you personally for me, I'm I. I like to go out. I talk, I know a lot of people. I'm like I you know, I'm like a active and outspoken if you were to say. But the way I recharge is when I'm at home by myself and kind of just like watching movies or playing video games or this is kind of my time. Some people recharge when they're with friends. So it's kind of important if if you're able to recognize that what kind of recharges your mental recharges you mentally and physically and where do you feel more um or at most rested. The second thing is also from Joseph's story. One of the things he mentioned is that I kind of, I could say that it could be the takeaway message is that he decided to be a good patient and reach out and go to the doctor. So I think it's like the most important aspect is, is you have to be, able, be willing to help yourself. Because if you're, if you were to put that perspective, you're just sitting there hanging off a cliff and there's someone in there extending their hand. If you don't extend your hand back to them, they can't really help you. There are always people who love you. There's always someone out there who is willing to help. You just have to find that person or be able to extend to telling them, hey, I need, I need help. And there's no, I believe, I, I believe there's no shame in that and reaching out for help or kind of saying, hey, I need help or I'm I'm in a weak state. Because there's 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 a lot of people. If it's not someone that again, like, like Abdullah earlier mentioned, how his like how his parents come from a village, so they may not be able to understand. There's 
honestly, I can say for myself and probably every single person out here, especially the um, the presence and, and 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 the other chapters, you can just reach out to any of them, and I'm I'm 100% certain that they will be more than willing to help you out or talk to you. As Jeff also mentioned, that the the the, the helpline is out there, so. This is something that you can also pass down that whoever is in this, that you're not fighting alone. There's there's someone out there, and this is kind of the the message you can write to you, to your you could say children and your children's children. Because I'm I'm certain, even though I have not experienced it myself, but I'm sure each and every one of you has would not want to see this to their kids or or grandkids or their loved ones. So this is something that if you relay the message and tell them when they need to stop, what's the most important factor, because a lot of you also mentioned that if you had that moment, if you have took care of yourself or had sought help, the first time it happened, things might be different, but life plays out the, 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 the way it does. And, and, I'm, and uh, I'm sure you have all, because if you haven't done that, then you wouldn't have known, right? And then no one else would know. So eventually someone would catch it, but then you were the person that this happened, that this happened with. And luckily you were strong enough to kind of, you know, resist that uh, and, and came out and came out on top. That was like, so I'd like to really congratulate you and commend you uh, on all of your efforts and um, just letting you know that there's people out there. We're all out there for you. So um, yeah. And uh, I believe if we do not have any more questions, uh, let's see, I'm gonna go going once, going twice. All right, sold. I believe this concludes our meeting. Thank you very much for the speakers. And uh, thank you, Jeff and Nick and the other universities. This has been a really pleasure and uh, was nice talking to you all and hearing from uh, every single one of you. Thank you and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Concussion Talk Podcast is presented by HeadCheck Health. HeadCheck Health bridges the gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.